All right, let's take that Bible and turn to that passage of Scripture we've been looking so much at, 1 John chapter 4. Boy, this is a great group. And they have a great group over at the Heritage Center as well. And we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray for them over there as well in the material that they're receiving and the topic that they are receiving as well. But I'm really excited about what I'm going to share with you uh, today out of this passage again uh, that we've been coming back to. Uh, but I'm going to need some help, and I have a former student that was uh, at West Coast, and uh, she was the secretary of the freshman class. When I taught the freshman class, she took many of my classes, and that is Lauren. Lauren, I know, you're, I know how the person you are, and I know you're going to hate this, but Lauren, I need you to come on up here for a minute. I need you to do something for me like you always were always able to do for me, and I have to tell you, I mean, I knew he was going to be here today. But I didn't know that he was coming to this session. I didn't know he was going to be here. So I have my wedding ring off. And uh, it takes a lot to get my wedding ring off after 42 years. But I have my wedding ring off. Now, that's kind of special with this guy. Your wedding ring, Brother Scheller? It is. Because R.B. Roulette is the first one, besides God, that put Mary Lee and I together. We traveled in a musical group together. Lauren, it'll come just a minute here. Uh, uh, we traveled in a musical group together, and I was the speaker of the group. I have no musical ability whatsoever. Uh, but that's why I love coming here. Boy, you guys have musical ability. I'll tell you, last night was amazing. But anyways, uh, we were in a musical group together, and we were in this church in uh, Bridgeport, Michigan, and uh, the pastor was a young man that had lots of blonde hair. <laughs> and his name was R.B. Roulette. And uh, we went out to eat. I think it was a big boy's uh, show or whatever, Shoney's, uh, afterwards. And um, he noticed that one of the girls in the group had an engagement ring on. That happened to be my wife. But she wasn't my wife, and I wasn't engaged to her. And he said, are you engaged? And she kind of sheepishly said, yes. And he said, are you engaged to him? And pointed to me. And obviously, the whole group kind of smiled, and it was very uncomfortable. And, uh, and, he, and she said, no. And then he said, well, I think you two will be getting together. So... Marilee and I married for 41 years. I can't tell you the whole thing about the whole engagement thing and everything like that, but that's quite a story too. However, because of that relationship that my wife had with this, uh, young, this man, and he's been a pastor all these years. He's a good guy, but it just wasn't going to be with my wife, okay? That wasn't what God had. But when we got married, when Marilee gave me her wedding ring, she engraved a passage of scripture inside the wedding ring. And Lauren, would you tell us what that passage of scripture is? Can you read it? First yes. John 4, 16 through 18. Thank you, Lauren. You can go sit down now. First <laughs> John 4, 16 through 18 is what she engraved 
on my wedding ring. And there was a reason for that. And that phrase, why the reason she engraved that on my wedding ring, is what we're going to look at. Look with me, if you would, at verse 16 of 1 John 4. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Everyone together, what's the next three words? It's what we've been talking about for the last two days. Everyone together? God is love. Well, obviously the preachers are all gone out of this room. Everyone together, what is it? God is love. That's good. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. Now here it comes. Verse 18 was the key why Merrily put this in my wedding ring. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Everyone together, what's the next three words? Casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Okay, two words we just need to discuss real quickly here. The one that we have mentioned already is that word perfect. Now, the Greek word hasn't been mentioned yet, and you may be familiar with it. Teleostiae. That is what Jesus cried out on the cross when he says, it is finished. Teleostiae. It is perfect. It is absolutely complete. Here's another really good word with this throughout the scriptures to remember, mature. Something that is perfect has come to its maturity. It's complete. So notice this, love that is mature doesn't have fear. Now the idea of fear today uh, in this session is going to be the key. Uh, Another title, I've entitled it for today, Casting Out Fears, otherwise known as the title of this, Stop Freaking Out. (laughs) Never have I in my 64 years of life seen a country more freaking out than America, but I'm going to tell you something, never have I seen believers not handle anxiety, stress, and fear as badly as they handle it right now. We're going to learn how to cast out fear and anxiety. Now, God's word is profitable for four things. It's profitable for doctrine. That's going to teach us what's right. It's profitable for reproof. That's going to teach us what's wrong. It's profitable for correction. It's going to teach us how to get it right. And it's profitable For instruction in righteousness. That's how to keep it right. By the way, can I tell you this? There is nothing that I have as passionate in my life right now as to go to churches and equip them in instruction in righteousness. I think it's the missing note of the independent Baptist movement. We're teaching people what's right, what's wrong, and how to get it right, but we're not teaching them how to keep it right. Instruction in righteousness. Now, I'll tell you what you're going to have today. In this lesson, we're going to take the word fear. Everyone together, how do you spell fear? F. E A 
are. We're going to use it as an acrostic, and we're going to give you four principles on how to overcome fear, how to overcome anxiety, and how to overcome your stress. And we're going to use the word F-E-A-R. Now, I want to tell you, this lesson is not just for you. This lesson is for you to take and help somebody else with it too. I'm not, I don't know how many people are in here, but I, I'm preaching to hundreds of more people than it's in here right now. Because you're going to take F-E-A-R and you're going to help someone else with instruction and righteousness. I'm going to give you four biblical principles on how to handle your anxiety. How to cast out your fear. How to finally have victory over stress. Just before we pray, I give you one definition and then we'll get started. All right, we'll have a word of prayer and we'll get started. I need to give you a definition of anxiety. That's the word I really want to use, but I got to tell you, fear is a really good word here. Anxiety. Taking on responsibility that God should be handling. Taking on responsibility that God should be handling. Whenever you start trying to be God in your life, you're going to be anxious. You're going to have fears. You're going to be stressed out. Whenever you take on the load that... See, God gave you that load so he could reveal himself to you. But if you're trying to handle... What God gave you, you're going you're gonna to be anxious. You're going to have fears. You're going to be stressed out. Hey, let me give you one other little nuance. Brother Shelley, are you ever going to pray? Maybe not. Maybe not. But anyways, let me, let, me, let me give you one other nuance to this. This is so interesting. The more we kick God out of our culture, the more we become secular, the more anxiety we're going to struggle with. It only makes sense because now we don't have God to handle it. And can I tell you, Joe Biden's administration is not going to help our stress. There is nothing that was said in the State of the Union that's going to say, you know what, my fears are taken care of now. No, 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 no. Government can't do it. By the way, no, your church can't do it. The only one that can handle those things in your life is God. Now, I do find it interesting. <laughs> the other problem with us in our life is that we don't take responsibility. We don't take responsibility for the things we should be, and we are taking responsibility for the things that we shouldn't be. And, and we're freaking out. We're all anxious. So we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at the word F-E-A-R. I'm going to give you four principles, and then we're going to be done. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we need your help. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God would give instruction and righteousness from his word. Lord, I use a, a little acrostic. It has, Lord, it won't be an acrostic that will change these people's lives. But I pray that the principles behind each letter will go on good ground, and I would pray that young ladies, young men, older folks, parents that are in this room, 
And I pray for the preacher given this, that, Lord, we would not live anxious. Be careful for nothing. Lord, help us be freed from stress and anxiety as we apply the word of God in our lives. Father, we cannot be a hearer only of this, word, of this message. We must be doers. And I can't make that happen. So may the Spirit of God go deep into the hearts of each one here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's children said, Amen. take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8. And let's look at F. Luke chapter number 8. In Luke chapter number 8, it's a familiar story, probably one you've heard this passage several times through the COVID pandemic and storm. It is the Lord in the boat during the midst of the storm and he falls asleep. We pick up the story in verse 22 and it's very important that we hear what Jesus says because F is going to stand for, are you ready? Faith in God and his word. Faith in God and his word. Everyone together, what does F stand for? Okay, that was terrible. Everyone together, what does F stand for? All right. Verse 22. Now, it came to pass on a certain day that he, that would be the Yeshua HaMashiach, that's our Messiah, that's Jesus, that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he, the Son of God. So when the Son of God speaks, it is the Word of God. Do we all agree? It's Jesus talking, so this is God's word. Now listen to what he says. And he said unto them, hey guys, come on. Let us go over onto the, the other side of the lake. Hey guys, let's go. Let's get in the boat. We're going to get in the boat, and we're going to the other side of the of the lake. Now, everyone together, I know it's right after lunch, but come on now, help me out. Everyone together, what do we absolutely know is going to happen? Everyone together, what do we absolutely know what's going to happen? They're going to the other side of the lake. How do we know that we know that we know that we know that they're going to the other side of the lake? Because it's the Word of God. God's Word Jesus just said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Now, he didn't tell them about the storm, but he did tell them where they were going. Now, everyone, you got to get this. You'll never come get over anxiety and stress and fears in your life if you do not put faith in God and his word. Now, look at what happens. Verse 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm. I looked that up in the Greek. You know what the word in the Greek is? COVID. <laughs> no, but it sounds cool, doesn't it, you know? But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and they came down a storm. I don't know what the Greek word is for storm, okay? Down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy, so they thought. 
And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, by the way, let's just stop for just a little quick moment and talk about Jesus. Okay, Jesus is just as much man as if he was never God. And he's just as much God as if he was never man. When he became flesh for 33 and a half years, he never lost his deity. Never lost his deity. He was God at four. He was God at 14. He was God at 24. And he's God at 31, 32 and a half right here in this story. He is God. He never lost his deity. Brother Scheller, I have a question then. Bible says that God never slumbers. He's sleeping in the boat. Yeah, let me tell you something else. He sweated. He hungered. He thirsted. When he was in the carpenter and he took the hammer, he hit his thumb. And it probably bled and he bruised. He never lost his deity, but he limited it to experience what we go through. Now listen, this is very important. He is God in this boat. We're going to see the proof of that in just a moment. But he's also man in that boat. And he did that so that he could relate with you. Okay, so I have three sons. We were talking about it last night. Man, I remember when my boys were growing up, I would wrestle with my boys. That was like one of the funnest things to ever do. And I would let them jump on me and they would take my arm and I'd say, no, 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 Luke, no, Luke, no, oh, no, oh, Drew. Now at any time I wanted to, I said, okay, enough of this. <laughs> I could have killed my boys. I could have given me, oh, I had way more strength than they did. Did I lose my strength when I wrestled my sons? No. What did I do? I held it back. I, I didn't lose it, but I held it back. Now, let me tell you, Jesus limits, who, uh, Je Jesus limits his deity. He doesn't lose his deity, but he limits it to experience what you experience, to go through what you go through. The Son of God is weary as the Son of Man, and he falls asleep. So that, I hope that handles that deal. But as they sailed, he fell asleep because he was the Son of Man. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, everyone together, help me out. You guys are doing better, so here goes. And he said unto them, everyone together, what's the next four words? What's the question he asked? Everyone together. Now, I don't want anyone to answer because I don't want to embarrass you, okay? So nobody say anything out loud. Did the disciples in the ship have faith? Brother Shetler, they didn't have faith. They thought they were going to die. Oh, they had great faith. They had great faith. Their faith was in the wrong object. Their faith was in the storm, not in the words that Jesus said on the other side of the shore. Now hear me. 
if you don't put your faith in the right object, you're going to stress out. You're, you're, you're going to be anxious all the time because you really believe spiders can kill you. We're going to talk about spiders in a minute here, okay? We, we, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to deal with fears today, all right? But we really believe, oh, no, I'm going to die. This is going to be terrible. Now, wait, just stop. What did God say? Now, I want to share this with you because this is huge. I, by the way, evolutionists have faith. Let me tell you something. Evolutionists have way more faith than I have. No, they do. That they could believe that DNA just occurred, that's an impossibility. There's not like a probability of that. It's an impossibility, but they believe it. They believe that DNA code, the language, just happened. That takes way more faith than I can believe that in 624 hours, God did everything by what he said. So evolutionists have faith, but they got their faith in the wrong object. And when people freak out, and when believers in Jesus Christ are all stressed out, and you're all anxious, and you're full of care, it's because you don't have the right object of your faith. They didn't listen to his words. Let's go over to the other side. So I got a couple thoughts under here real quick. Where is your faith? Number two, who are you listening to? Listen to me. If you're spending more time on social media than the word of God, you're probably stressed out. If you're watching more news than you are the good news, I'm guaranteeing you're an anxious person. What are you acting on? Well, you're acting on what you're believing in. And if you're not believing in the right thing, you're going to have problems. So F stands for faith in God and his word. Thank you. Got to get a problem. Now, we'll come back to the word of God here a little bit later. But let's go to the next one. E. E stands for examine your faith. Exa excuse me. Examine the fear. Examine the fear. Everyone together, what does E stand for? Take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, that I will buy you, a, I'll buy you the book of your choice. Whatever book you want, I'll buy you the book of your choice. I'll let six people guess after that. That's it. Joshua chapter 6. There is a word in that chapter that is found more than any other chapter in the entire Bible. Does anyone know what that word is? It's found more in Joshua 6 than any other chapter in the Bible. What is the word? Fear. No, you didn't look it up, did you? You just thought you knew that, and you didn't even have your Bible to look that up. Oh, sister. Five others, you took a good guess away from people. <laughs> yes. Way in the back. Yes, sir. Courage. No. Yes. Seven. What's your name? Steven, keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs> yes. Lord. More than any other chapter in the Bible. No. Guys, you only got about two more. Whoa. Here we go. Yes, ma'am. Compass. No. We're dealing with one more. I'll let you, you, you two are right together. You got the same word? 
What? Trumpet! No! So that's it. I gave you guys a chance. Now, E stands for examine the fear. So you've got a bunch of Israelites that have just crossed the Jordan into the promised land. They have, as the first battle, as the first group, the Canaanites, that they have to conquer, they have to take down Jericho. And they're freaking out. They're stressed out. They're anxious. Joshua's all by himself, and he sees the captain of the host. He doesn't know, uh, know if the guy's for him or against him. You know, he doesn't know. And I love the answer of the Lord. He said, uh, you know, Joshua, are you for us or against us? Nay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not me for you or against you. Are you on my side? Because I'm going to take over here. And he says, here's what I want you to do, Josh. I want you to walk around that city six times. See, I love this. Some of you are still looking for the word. I love it. I love it. No, that's great. Keep looking. Keep looking. I don't care if you're listening to me. I really rather have you look for the word. I really do. Go. They walk around at six, one time for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around this seven times, 13 times. And I don't want anyone to say a word. All I want them to do is examine those walls. And then after 13 times, after the seventh day, on the seventh day, you're going to give a shout. And I just want the warriors to do this. Oh, yeah. And I want the priest to be in front of them. Here goes, drum roll. And I want the priest to carry the ark. The word ark is mentioned 13 times in the book of Joshua chapter 6. There is no chapter in the entire Bible that mentions ark more than Joshua chapter 6. So that's really cool. Because someone raised their hand and tell me what the ark represents. Yes, sir. The presence of God. So here's what I want you to do for 13 times for seven days. I want you to walk around and examine what you're afraid of. I want you to see they're 90 feet high and they're 12 to 20 feet wide. I want you to see how big and how strong. And I want you to go, whoa, how in the world? We don't have ladders. We don't have lasers. We don't have anything. How in the world do we bring this down? And I want you to see what's in front of you. For the ark of the Lord is the presence of God. And I want you to examine that which you are so stressed out about. That which you are so fearful about. I want you to do research on it. I want you to think out and question. And I want you to examine that fear. But in doing that, don't forget to put the ark of the covenant involved. You put the presence of God because as big as those walls are, they're not as big as me. And I'm bringing those walls down. Now here's what tends to happen. We get all scared and fearful about things we don't know anything about. The more knowledge that we acquire about something, 
the less that will give us fear. Hey, we mentioned spiders. Let's go back to that for just a moment. Anyone transparent enough and humble enough to say, spiders freak me out, Brother Shetler. Okay, we got a few, not a lot, not a lot. I usually have more in my counseling classes than that. But anyways, let me tell you something about, you read about spiders. Man, spiders are our friends. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, they're not bad at all. And I'll tell you something else. I got a shoe. And my shoe is bigger than any spider. Okay, I am bigger than any spider. I am smarter than a spider. Why are you so afraid of spiders? And then some of you, if a mouse ran in here right now, you would freak out. That mouse is much more scared of you than you are of it. Let me tell you that, right? But you don't know that because you don't know about mice. You got to study. No, I'm really being serious. Some of you are scared to death to speak publicly. So I have a name here of a young lady that I'm going to call out. She doesn't know this, but I'm going to have her, I'm going to call her name out. She's going to come and she's going to give a word of testimony. Okay, are you ready? (laughs) Every young woman in here is freaking out right now. Okay, I don't have a name either, you know. (laughs) Brother Shelley, you're just a deceiver. Yes. (laughs) I don't have a name. But why are you so afraid? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I will bless the Lord at all times. (laughs) But not in front of all these people. Why not? I don't know. (laughs) I might say something stupid. Well, you know what? I say a lot of stupid things publicly that I wish I hadn't said. And you know what? Number one, nobody ever listens. (laughs) Nobody's listening. Number two. If I called a girl out right now to come up and do that, would we not all be rooting for her? She could almost barely say anything. You would say, oh, that was so good. We're all for you. You know what? You're all stressed out about something you haven't thought about. You know, when you examine your fears, it just, and I'm telling you, I'll give you the greatest illustration. I have some respiratory problems. I have asthma. I'll tell you what, two years ago this month, March, I was scared. I was fearful. I thought, man, you know what? This pandemic, this COVID-19 thing, it's going to wipe out America, and it's going to wipe out me. I'm an old, fat, white guy, and I got respiratory problems. I mean, like, I'm primed. I'm going to die. I, I, I am going to die of this. It's a bunch Don't you know where you're going to go when you die? Yes. I'm just scared of how I'm going to get there, okay? And I don't think think, uh, one of those machines on me is what I want to go by, you know? Okay, so listen to me. I started studying about COVID-19. And I started realizing, you know, there's some therapeutics here. There's some things we can do. Hey, Shetler, start washing your hands a little bit. Start doing this, start doing that. There is some good hygiene things that you can do. And you know what? The more I learned about COVID-19, the less I was afraid of it. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to be strapped and live by fear all my life. I don't know how long this thing's going to last. And I'm, the more I examined my fear, the less I had fear about it. Are you with me? Man. Okay, F stands for, got a review, I'm a teacher, okay? F stands for faith. E stands for? A. Now, A's the big one, man. A's the big one. 
Attack your fear head on. All right, Brother Sean, I'm not going to write that one down because that's never going to happen. Well, then you're never going to overcome your fear. You're never going to overcome your stress and never going to get over anxiety until you're willing to attack your fear head on. you got to take your Bibles and turn to this. Daniel chapter 3, really quickly. Daniel chapter 3, we got to get moving. Daniel chapter 3, I love this passage. I'm glad Brother Fong isn't in here. I don't want him to get upset with me. But I still like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But... Uh, I mean, all my life, I, or all my kids' lives, you know, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. You know, I, <laughs> I, I just like that. And you know what? It is interesting because this is, this is actually very interesting. Yeah, those are the Babylonian names. And they were willing to acquiesce to that because it wasn't a conscience deal. But in Daniel chapter 3, we got the dividing line now. And now it's like, hey, we're not, you know what? You want to change our names? You could change our names, but I'm going to tell you this. We're not bowing down to your image. We're not worshiping. No way is government going to tell us who to worship. Whoa. There is no way that Nebuchadnezzar is going to tell us who to worship. It ain't going to happen. So you got these three young men that didn't, that didn't bow down, and they were reported. And now, But Nebuchadnezzar liked these guys, and they did a really good job. They were faithful. They were good salt and good light. And they had good positions. So Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful human uh, uh, power that actually in human history, no human has ever had more authority over more space and more land than, than Nebuchadnezzar. So the, so the three men are standing in front of him. And what a scene this had to be. And uh, it starts out in verse like 14 and 15, and because of time, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the end of uh, verse 15, right there in the middle there. You, you fall down and worship. Hey, listen, I'll do this. I'm going I'm to have the orchestra play again. And, and when the orchestra plays again, I want you to go down and, and worship the image, which I have made. Well, but, but by the way, guys, um, I'm letting you have another chance, and I wasn't going to let anyone have another chance. Uh, but if you don't, if you do not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? <laughs> You're going to find out in a few moments, Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 16, but listen to the response. Get ready, I'm going to need your help. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not everyone together. What's the next word? Careful. Full of care. Hey, we're not anxious. We're not stressing out here, man. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall flood your hearts. Isn't this the coolest thing? They said, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing. And we have already determined what our decision is going to be. Now, this is really good, folks. You've got to attack your fear head on. By the way, notice the finishing of the response. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, oh yeah, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. 
and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But uh, if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We are attacking our fear head on, and we're telling you we made our decision. We're going forward. Now listen to me. That which you are scared about, and I want to put it into a very practical area, soul winning. Soul winning. Now, come on. Every one of us, I, 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 took, I took them out of my pocket, you know, right now because I got them. But right now, even to hand these out, we get a little scared, do we not? Brother Shetler, can you give us a two-hour seminar on how to soul win? No, no, I cannot. I can give you 30 seconds on how to do it. Attack your fear head on and go to them and hand that track out. I'm going to tell you, you will always have fear about soul winning until you start going to doors and start knocking. Until you start handing them out and still you start talking about the Lord, you are going to be stressed out about soul winning all of your life. The only way to overcome it is you got to attack it head on. Well, Brother Scheller, I'm thinking that I'm going to muster up enough love for Jesus this week that I'm going to be able to do it. Well, you know what? I don't, want to, I don't want to diminish that. But if that love for Christ begins to build, you're still going to, at one point, attack the fear head on. You're still going to have to do it. Now, I just want to share this with you. You will never overcome any fear in your life. Some of you are scared to death to go to the mission field. You know, there's only one thing you got to do. You got to get on a missionary uh, on a short-term trip. You got to attack your fear head on, or you'll never do anything for God. You'll never go anywhere for God or do anything until you attack the fear head on. It is an absolute must. When uh, I taught my boys how to ride their bike, and I have a special needs son too. I taught my boys how to ride a bike in 20 minutes, each one of them. Obviously, different years. And it was on the same bike, though, a little Schwinn thing. We took, the, we took the training wheels off at a certain time when they, when they got a certain age. And we went out to a dirt area. There's a key word there. <laughs> dirt area, okay. I do love my kids, okay. So it was a dirt area, but it was flat. So I, I, I get Ben on the, on the bike. I pick up the seat in the back. I said, Ben, start pedaling. So he starts pedaling, starts pedaling, starts pedaling. I said, okay, I'm going to put the bike down now. When I put the bike down, I'm going to push you off. And Ben, you got to start pedaling you got to start pedaling you got this Ben you got to pedal you got to pedal you know, damn, I got, I got. okay now here we go I pick it up okay start pedaling start pedaling he's doing it man he's really doing it. I said okay now I'm gonna put it down here we go here we go start pedaling start pedaling put it down go boom Ben <laughs> you stop pedaling I'm scared well you got to keep pedaling you got, you, you got to keep it. Let's try it again. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm telling you, 20 minutes, they're riding everywhere. They're riding everywhere. You know why? Because they're doing what? Everyone together, they're doing what? Oh, that was terrible. They're doing what? They're pedaling. They're pedaling. They're pedaling. You know what? You got to attack your fear head on. And how do you attack your fear head on? You got to start pedaling. You just start taking steps. Some of you are so, you know what? You guys need help in an area, but you're scared to death to go get counsel. 
You're scared to death to go tell anybody that you have this problem. You know what? You got to start peddling. You got to attack that fear head on and say, you know what? I'm not going to live this way the rest of my life. And I'm going to attack it head on. Are, you, are we good? Okay, here we go. F, faith in God and his. E, examine the. A. Okay, real good. R, we're done. Real quick. Request God for help. If you're stressed out, if you're in anxiety, if you're in a fear, request God to help you. Put this down, Psalm 56, verse 3. Psalm 56, 3. At what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I'll trust in God. At what time I am afraid. Now, let me give you my life verse. I got this my senior year in college. It had something to do with Mary Lee, by the way. But I, I, I got this, and here's my life verse, Isaiah 41.10. This is my verse, man. This thing has got me through. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Jim, you can pastor that church. Jim, you can do this youth group. Jim, you can stand up in front of that camp and preach. Jim, fear thou not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed, Shetler. I am thy God. Jim, Jim, I will strengthen thee. Jim, I will help thee. Jim, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, I get up in front of people, and you say, Brother Shit, you probably don't have any fears at all. Okay, I am a big fear guy, okay? And I struggle with anxiety, and I struggle with stress. Well, Brother Shetler, and I've learned some things. I got to put my faith in God and his word. I got to examine the fear. And I know at some point I got to attack my fear head on. And I got to ask God, God, will you help me? Will you help me? Now, let me tell you, if you are ever going to have victory over anxiety. Now listen to this. I love this verse. Perfect love casteth out fear. The love I have for God and his word, Brother Shuttler, do you ever get anxious and stressed and fearful before you speak? If you only knew what I was like at Home Sweet 2, whatever the name of that hotel is, yesterday at about 6 o'clock before I came over here. Oh, Brother Shuttler, you preach so many places. You, you preach stuff. You, come on, I'm telling you. I'm stressed out yesterday. I, I had never preached what I was going to preach. There were some things in the message last night that I wasn't sure about if I should give or do or whatever, and I'm really stressing out. Brother Shiloh, how did you overcome that? You didn't seem like you were in fear last night. I wasn't. I'm going to tell you what I did. I thought, God, I love my message. I do. I love what I'm going to give. Number two, I, I, I love the people of God, and there's such a sweet spirit here. I love them. Number three, God, I love you, and you've called me to preach tonight, and I love you. And the love for my message, the love for you, and the love for my God casted out the fear. And I was like, God, I can do this. Perfect love casteth out fear. 
You put your faith in God and his word. You examine your fear. You attack it head on. And you ask God to help you. And I'm going to tell you, you will see victory over stress. Now, Christian, I'm telling you, you have got to get a hold of this, not just for your own life. A pill for anxiety is not the answer. It is a person in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go into the medication thing right now. I understand there would be some times, but I am telling you something. Christians are becoming dependent on pill than the person of Jesus Christ. We are so stressed out. And if we don't overcome that, what are we sharing with them in the way of the good news? What good news do we have if we're stressed out? Our good news is based on that, that we have a God we can go to. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 